Well, to answer that question, we need to go to the book of Matthew. If you would do that, please, the first book of the New Testament. To answer that question fully isn't the story of Christmas just a fairy tale. We need to return to the genealogy of Jesus Christ. We were there a couple of weeks ago as we talked through some of the odd things that we saw in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, especially one of the most sordid stories that we have in all of the Old Testament, and that's Genesis 38 and the story of Tamar. And we talked a little bit through that. We want to return to the genealogy today in Matthew chapter 1 to be able to answer that question. Isn't it just a um, isn't it story of Christmas, just a, a fairy tale? It's interesting that Matthew devotes 48 verses to Christmas. Uh, the totality of the first two chapters are Christmas, and it's 48 verses. And 17 of those 48 verses, more than a third of those 48 verses, are a part of Scripture that we kind of feel like they're, they're not really relevant. It's a, a part of Scripture that we uh, skip over. It's a part of Scripture that, that we can't pronounce all the na- names and we don't see any relevance to that and we're just not really going to miss anything if we don't read that. So we just skip right on down to 118 and we talk about the birth of Jesus Christ. But one-third of all of the Christmas story, the greatest story that's ever been told, One-third of Matthew's account is given to this genealogy. And we need to return to that to be able to see, is this uh, story really uh, just a fairy tale? You know, when, um, when, when Matthew starts this greatest story that's ever been told... He doesn't start it like some of the other great stories that we grew up reading and, and some were turned into movies and so forth. Those stories started um, once upon a time. And some of those stories are the most fondest stories of our, 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 our memory. And we remember those and, and, and we still hear those and they can make our hearts skip a beat and, and they can make us go back to our childhood and they can make our spirits jump. And, and as we hear those stories that start once upon a time or, or in a land far, far away or in a galaxy far, far away. But Matthew doesn't start the greatest story that's ever been told that way. He starts it in Matthew 1.1. Depending on your translation, it says, this is the record of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham and the son of David. A record of Jesus Christ, son of Abraham and son of David. No, once upon a time. No, in a land far, far away or in a galaxy far, far away. He starts it a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know, all those other fairy tales or those other stories that are maybe among some of the greatest stories that have ever been written or told, uh, they do start that way. And I I remember a lot of those, reading those great great, uh, fables and those great myths and those great stories of, of, of Hercules and, and, and Helen of Troy. And remember the beauty of the, and the beast. That there, was this, there was this beautiful girl and the only way that she was going to be able to save her uh, father's life was to be able to go live in this palace where there's this ghastly, beastly character. And, and she does that with such devotion and she does that with such kindness and she does that with such 
love that this ghastly, beastly character turns into a charming prince. And while we know that's not true and we know that story is not fact, there's something in our spirits that hear that, whether we're 54 or whether we're four years old, that we say, yes. They live happily ever after. That's the way stories are supposed to end. Love is supposed to conquer all. And so there's something about those fairy tales, there's something about those fables that makes our spirit jump and say, that's the way it ought to be. That's the way it ought to be. Sleeping Beauty, there's a a, a beautiful woman who doesn't die, but she just goes to sleep. And a Prince Charming comes and kisses her awake, and all is made well. They live happily ever after, and the world is all right. And even I can identify that at 54 years old and say, yes, that's the way things are supposed to be. Even something like Cinderella, the evil stepsister, they uh, they kind of held this one girl almost like a slave, and she can't do anything, and she, she, she gets to go to this ball, but the clock strikes Midnight, and, and she loses her glass slipper, and she comes back home to her evil stepsisters. And, and, the, and, and, the, and the, the prince comes with the glass slipper, and he finally finds the one that is supposed to fit and takes her off. And they live happily ever after. And we say, That is the way the world is supposed to be. That, that's it. The world is supposed to end happily ever after. The, the, the world is supposed to have happy endings. And you can go to Peter Pan, and, and Peter Pan in a world where, where you never grow old. In a world where people can fly, and they're not earthbound. And, and even a 54-year-old says, How? that's great. I understand why kids love it. Wouldn't it be great if that's the way the world is? You can even go to, even go to something like Superman, and good overcomes evil. And we say, yes. Yes. You can even go to Toy Story. And the, the, little, the little toys are overtaken by evil toys. And at the end, the good triumphs. And even a 53-year-old sitting there with his 9- and 7-year-old can have a tear run down his cheek. Because something in our spirit says, yes, that's it. Good is supposed to overcome evil. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so that we know that's not true. We know it's just a movie. We know it's just a book. We know it's just a story. We know it's just a fable. We know it's just a myth. There's still something that jumps in our spirits. And we say, That's, there's something true about that. Even though we know it's a myth. There's something true about that. Even though we know it's a fable. There's something true about it. Even though we know it's just a, a movie. And there's something like that even in the Christmas story. Aren't there some, hear me carefully, some mythical qualities of the Christmas story? Hear me carefully. Not that the Christmas story is a myth, but aren't there some mythical qualities of that? The world is in bad shape. And, 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 and a Savior comes to the world and is, is announced by angels and, and, and trumpets and heavenly hosts. And this, this Savior grows up and, and has supernatural abilities. And he heals and he raises people from the dead. 
But then evil comes in and they don't like him because he's so good and, 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 and he's so loving and he's so tender and they don't like him and they put him to death. But that's not the end of the story. And he rises from the dead and he, and he's, he ascends into heaven and he's, he's seated at the right hand of God. Now that's not a myth, but there are some mythical qualities to that story. But I'm here to tell you today that because of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, those mythical qualities of Jesus that we say, yes, I want it to be true. And whether we see it in the Christmas story or we see it in Cinderella or Superman, we say, yes, that's true. All those mythical qualities, because of that first verse, they've become fact. They're no longer myth because the Bible says this is a record. This is a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Doesn't start once upon a time in a land far, far away. In a galaxy far, far away. These, these mythical qualities have become fact, have broken into history in a real way, and we can trace his lineage. And so we say, this is a record of a real person who lived. Jesus Christ, son of Abraham, son of David. And all the qualities that make our spirits jump with Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Beauty and the Beast and all those other things that we learn and we read to our kids, all of those qualities that make our spirits jump that we want to say, yes, that's the way it should be. All of those qualities are found in Christ. The one, the prince who kisses us and raises us from that sleep that's called death. The one who love and devotion to us, devotion even to a cross, can, can take that beastliness out of us. Take that beastliness out of us and turn us into a son or a daughter or child of the living God. This very, this very idea of the historical fact of Jesus Christ, not a once upon a time, the very fact of, of the historicity of Jesus, the very fact that, that he was a real person that broke into time, that, that, that was just not a fable, was just not some good principles, was just not a, a great story that made the tear come down your eye or, or made, made you think, oh, that would be so wonderful. The, the, the historical nature of, of, that starts in Matthew 1, 1 that says this is a record is just exactly the way why people struggle with the Christian faith. Because they're okay with the Christian faith as long as it's a nice little story. There'll be people here tomorrow night for our Christmas Eve service. And there'll be people here that haven't been to church all year long, maybe Easter. And they'll come in and they'll hear the, hear the carols and they'll see the decorations and they'll hear the story once again and, and they'll get nice little goosebumps. And it kind of adds to the festivities. Isn't it a nice story? 
It's tradition to go to church on Christmas Eve. But what they don't want to deal with is that it's just not a nice story. It's a historical fact. This is the record of Jesus Christ, son of Abraham, son of David, who broke into this world, and you will rise or fall on what you do with this historical fact. Now, the world doesn't want to deal with that. The world doesn't want to deal with that. The world likes nice little manger scenes. It's nice little babies. And don't talk to me about the baby that came to die. Just nice little babies, pink and plump. And isn't that beautiful? But because of the genealogy, because of Matthew 1.1, it's not just a story. It is what it is. And your very life and your eternal destiny will depend on what you do with the history, the historical fact of the person that we call Jesus Christ. And that makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> Little babies in a manger don't make anybody uncomfortable. Glory to God in the highest doesn't make anybody uncomfortable. Wise men doesn't, don't make people uncomfortable. Once upon a time doesn't make people uncomfortable. But what makes people uncomfortable is that this is an historical fact. Friends, it happened. Christmas happened. He came. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. It's not once upon a time. No matter how sweet and kind and, and tear coming down my eye that once upon a time may be. And every gospel account that deals in any way with the Christmas story starts in some way with the fact of that he was a real person. Not just a great person with mythical qualities and supernatural ability to heal and rise from the dead and said some really good things, love your neighbor, all that kind of stuff. That's wonderful. He was a real person. Person Matthew one one we've already we've already said that but look how Luke starts his gospel. Luke starts his gospel. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first were eyewitnesses. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you will know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Luke, the physician, investigated everything. And after he had investigated everything, he has decided now to Theophilus to write an orderly account of this person, Jesus Christ. It, it, it was due investigation. It wasn't just upon a time and made, you, made your heart feel really good. It was due investigation. And I've investigated, and this is what I found. And he starts with the story of Jesus in the time of King Herod. John, you know how John starts, don't you? You know how John starts, don't you? John 1. The Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And verse 14 says, the word became flesh. Not just some good teachings. Not, 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 not just some supernatural mythical qualities. Not just a great story that taught us how to live. Not just a great story that gave us some lessons to be able to teach our children and teach them how, how to live. Mark, excuse me, Matthew, John, and Luke all say in different ways, the word became flesh. He was real. Deal with it. And that's why Jesus forces you to make a decision about him. You, you just can't sit back and, and say, well, yeah, he was a great teacher, said some really good things. And you just can't sit back and say something as, as silly as that because this teacher also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, no good teachers don't say stuff like that. You fire them if they say stuff like that. Good teachers don't say things like, I'm the bread of life. I'm the door. Good teachers don't make statements like that. Jesus came in a real way. Flesh and blood enforces you and forces me to make a decision about it. This is a record. This is a record. My, my translation that I have here doesn't say record. It says, this, this says, goes straight to says, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. But if you look at the little number that's up there, it says, or it could mean this is a count record of the origin of Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are this morning. Hopefully for you that are Christians here today, I, I hopefully have said something that makes you more firm in your faith and, and that you walk out here a little more on your toes and a little more hopeful because Christmas really happened. Christ was born, flesh and blood. This is an account. This is the record. No once upon a time. The myth, the myth, the mythical qualities became fact. The mythical qualities that we would love about Jesus, supernatural healing, became fact at Christmas. And we know that by Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. Well, there may be even some here. I know there'll be some tomorrow night. There may be some here that have, you've never come face to face with that story. It's a cool little story. You know that you can tell the little story. You can stand up here and tell the little story. You can tell it to kids. You can read it and it brings good feelings to you. It may make your heart beat and brings warm feelings about memories of grandma's house and all, all of that. But you've never really dealt with the historical fact that there's a person in this world that, named, that was named Jesus and he died for the sins of the world and you have to deal with that. You don't have to deal with a fable. You don't have to deal with a fairy tale. Oh, it's nice. And in 30 seconds, in 30 minutes, the feeling wears off and you go back out into this world and you realize that in this world, good really doesn't always win and good doesn't overcome evil. Good guys finish last sometimes. But if you believe in the historicity, if you believe in the fact that Jesus was born, you know that there's a day coming, as we talked last week, where good will overcome evil. 
I don't know when it's going to be, but there's going to be a day when he breaks the eastern sky and good will overcome evil. And we'll be like Peter Pan and we'll never grow old. And we won't be bound to this earth. And all those things you love in those fairy tales and those fables, all those things that make your heart jump and say, oh, I wish it was that way, they will be true. They will be true. So have you dealt with the story? The greatest story that's ever been told? Have you dealt with it? Have you internalized it? Are you putting your whole hope and faith in it? Are you, are you living it every day? Or is it just something that happens on Sunday morning or something that happens on Christmas weekend or Christmas Eve and you get all religious? Or something that just happens at a funeral when you bring out the old old story, but you haven't thought about it forever. I did a funeral on Friday of someone who's kind of loosely associated with this church. Very secular. Well, my part wasn't secular, but the people that spoke spoke of very secular things. The only other person besides me that said anything religious was a person there that is a drug addict and a prostitute. Do we just bring out the Jesus story when it's convenient? Christmas Eve makes us feel good. Family gathered together. I don't know if I can remember it. The old poem says, Though Christ in Bethlehem a thousand times be born. If he not be born in thee, my soul is still forlorn. Forlorn is an old world we don't, word we don't use anymore. It's, it means lonely, abandoned. Though you may come to Christmas Eve services and Christmas weekend services and hear the old story and get the goosebumps and somehow say yes, and may hear a thousand times that Christ has been born. If he not be born in you and in me, our souls are still forlorn. Have you dealt with Matthew 1.1? This is a record of a real person who lived and died for you. Let's pray. Father, um, I haven't really told anybody here anything they didn't really know. I've reminded them of some of the old, old story. But maybe there's one or two or three that 
you know, they've never really dealt with it. They keep Jesus up on a manger, up on a mantle with the manger scene, sing the words of the songs at Christmas weekend, Christmas Eve, but they've never dealt with it. And I pray right now in the quietness of this moment that they'll come to the truth of Matthew 1.1. That there is a record. Not a myth. Not a legend. Not a fable. There is a record. There is an account of the origins of Jesus Christ, son of Abraham, son of David. And I pray for that, maybe just one person, two people that have never dealt with that and have never comes to grips with that. And they've kept it, they've kept it at the arm length of a, of a nice little story. But Father, they need to deal with it right now. So with your heads bowed, is there, a, is there one person, two people, that, that, that need to stand right now and say, Mark, would you pray for me because I'm dealing with it right now. And I know that the decision that I'm trying to make is the biggest decision of my life. Anybody? Dealing with, there's one. Anybody? Says, not just up on a manger, not just up on the mantle, not just a little story. I'm dealing with it right now. But the myth became fact. The truth that makes our spirits jump became fact in the person named Christ Jesus. Who would stand? Who would raise their hand and says, I'm, I'm dealing with it, Mark. Would you pray for me? I'm dealing with it. Thank you. I'm dealing with it. Father God, I thank you that we can rest our hope and our trust not just on some nice little teachings, not just on turning the other cheek, or not just on treating other people the way you want them to treat you, and not just on blessed are the merciful, or all those great things that the teacher Jesus said but we can rest our hope on the fact that the real person, the Savior, came and he had a lineage and he came to this earth and the word became flesh and Luke investigated it and found it all true. And may those of us that are a little hard-headed like I was till I was 34, may we come to grips with the historical fact that he was born, and he lived, and he died. May we come to grips with the fact of Christmas, that it really, really happened. Thank you for this reminder this morning that our hope is rested not on some story, but on a living, breathing person, the person of Christ. And it's in his name that we offer this prayer. Amen.